0: So today we want to set aside our political views and open our hearts and minds to a possible different view of the border crisis. As Christians, what can we do? Where may God be leading us as his people to show his love and share his message? Today on In by Bruce, we have Julie merle Courtois, and she is the executive producer of the Maybe God podcast. Which led her to being involved as the producer and director for a new 4 part documentary called across and it will be live streaming on June 20th, which is world refugee day. The question the documentary covers is this. What happens when a group of churches set aside their politics and join together to be the hands and feet of Jesus to meet the needs of asylum seekers on the southern border. So, Julie, welcome to In On By Bruce.
1: Thank you, Bruce. Great to be here.
0: Great to have you. And so I know this will be an important topic for a lot of people. And, you know, we know what we hear on the news and the radio and from other people. But before we get to anything like that, my first question is what was God doing in your life or the other people's lives around you that led you to the point of helping asylum seekers? how far
1: back do you want to go?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can give me an overview, whatever.
1: I'll be brief, but I'll go back to say that um, for the first 15 or so years of my career, I was actually working in um, national television shows. I was not a Christian. And so I moved to Houston uh, for various reasons related to my family back in 2015. And I stumbled upon a church while I was looking for a school for my kids. And it was through this church that specifically is targeting non-religious or trying to reach Non religious people with the gospel of Jesus, and they reached me. I became a Christian in 2015 and at that point, I just realized that all the work I had been doing in the media world is I wanted to put all of my efforts into putting that towards the kingdom. And so that's when I launched the maybe God podcast. It was in 2018. And it was an episode of that podcast. It was called um, can loving, quote, illegals and save our souls. And we sometimes have a little bit of (laughs) catchy titles, but I went out to San Antonio. I was introduced through a former colleague of mine at Oprah. She had interviewed a guy, a pastor in San Antonio. His name is Pastor John Garland. He's at the San Antonio Mennonite church. And she's not a Christian, but she said, gosh, I just think you'd really like him and the work he's doing. And it'd be great for the podcast. And so drove two and a half hours out to San Antonio and um, sat in this, this house. It's the San Antonio Mennonite Church's hospitality house. And at that point, with so many people crossing the border, that San Antonio was really the place that everyone went through to get to their final destinations. And so they had Uh. just more people than they knew what to do with and all the churches. It was really beautiful. All the churches kind of stepped up and said, okay, we can handle feeding everybody. We can handle sheltering everybody. We can handle all these different needs that these asylum seekers had. And so this little hospitality house, they were able to sleep families that had dealt with house families that had dealt with the most severe trauma on their journeys. Oftentimes it was mothers and their children who had just been through really just very unsafe situations. They were usually fleeing horrific gang violence and they had nowhere to go and no sponsors to turn to. And often maybe their sponsors here in the U.S. were these, were human traffickers. And so this little hospitality house was keeping them close and safe for a time until they found, you know, helped them figure out their next steps. So here I am sitting at this table with this pastor And these asylum seekers from all over Central America, I don't speak any Spanish, but, Mm. you know, as a new Christian sitting around that table and witnessing the faith of these people who some of them were still separated from their children who were in detention centers. I mean, just living through just horrific stuff, but their, their faith and their prayers and their tears and their pleading to God and their fasting and all these things just completely moved me and, and really like deepened my faith in such a way that I knew that I had to share their stories wider. And one of the things that struck me, too, is that often in the news, you don't hear or in the even the documentaries done about immigrants or asylum seekers from Central America, specifically, you don't hear that the majority of them are evangelical Christians. And I thought, why is why as a Christian, why am I just learning this? Um, When like, I just it was so clear to me that their faith has so much to offer us. And so that's That day was when we launched the podcast episode, but as soon as that episode was released and I started having other people sort of email me with the same reactions, like we had no idea and this is incredible and we want to hear more. I just knew I had to get back to my roots of video and do a documentary. Sorry, it's a long answer.
0: No, but I really appreciate it. And and Julie, it actually led into what I had down on my second question for you. And you hit upon 1 of these, what are some of the myths that we have compared to what really is going on? 1 that you just mentioned is how many of those people are Christians and how strong their faith is. And I think, unfortunately, the media makes them into people, but then at the same time, doesn't necessarily tell us the full story. So what, what are myths like that that we have as the American public?
1: Well, yep, Christians for sure. Pastor John estimates about 80% of the asylum seekers crossing the border from the Northern Triangle of Central America are evangelical Christians. People believe often that they are here illegally um, when actually they do commit a minor misdemeanor by you know stepping across into U.S. soil. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, because of our asylum laws, they're kind of forced to do that. It's the only way to request asylum. You set foot on U.S. soil and then you're allowed to request asylum. So that's that's the, the most clear pathway for them. But once they're here and they're entered into the system and they're given court dates, they are actually here legally. They can't work, they don't have work permits, they can't drive, they don't have access to a lot of services that we need to live normal, you know, live our lives, but they are here legally. So that's another misconception. And um, yes. a lot of people think they're here because They want to be here and the reality is they don't, they want to be home. They love their homes, but things get so bad at home. Um, The women, the 3 women that we featured, 2 of them, it was because of gang violence, their lives were in jeopardy every single day this one gang member would come to this woman's house and try to rape her children strangle her kill her and she just she had no choice she had to leave and most of them especially the women and children who are forced to flee they're here because they have no other choice for safety not because they want to be and then i think one of the other myths that i've just realized sort of as somebody who is a tv producer for many years who loved to sort of tell the story as a secular person loved to tell the stories of these Vulnerable people, I always saw them as victims, but I think now I really see them as they are some of the strongest, most resilient people I've ever met. And they have so much to offer us and offer our faith. Mm. And I never want to discount, though, like there are scary people, right? Like human traffickers and the uh, cartel, they do completely run the border. I mean, they have control. These asylum seekers are forced in a lot of cases to pay these cartels to get them across the border. Otherwise they'll be killed. So there's a lot of crime at the border for sure. There's a lot of scary stuff going on too, but I think these asylum seekers, these families that are fleeing, you know, they're also, that's, that's what they're trying to get away from too, for safety.
0: Wow. I think what you said just a second ago, reminds me of a quote I saw on the trailer where a gentleman I, in one of the hometowns that the person's fled from, Has said that the greatest people in our community and the ones I respect the most are the ones that have left.
1: Yeah, exactly. And And so that that. was actually a pastor that was so we actually went to Honduras and filmed for a few weeks to figure out. Okay, why are people leaving? We also decided we want to gather evidence in 1 of the cases of the women that we feature in the documentary to show. Okay, she really is in fact, fleeing what she's saying she's fled and um, also just to show. It's really hard to win these cases. And we wanted to capture evidence to show the judge as well. But that is, that was her pastor. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. It's its sad for them to see some of the business leaders who are being extorted by gangs, really good mothers and their children who are just trying to protect their kids. You know, all the sort of the best people of their community are the ones that are forced to leave.
0: So how hard has it been once you see people hear what you're saying to set aside their political view of this and turn to the human view. Have you seen it melt people's hearts to to look at it from this side like it did yours?
1: I have. I mean we did a screening here in Houston. So we released just one part of it last year to film festivals and we're able we won a couple of international film festival awards. But we did a screening in Houston and and I had somebody come up to me and said, he he actually said, he said, curse you. I really Thought I had these people figured out Uh, now. I've got to rethink everything. I thought because they're not who I thought they were. And so my hope is that that's the reaction of a lot of people once it's widely released. But I will also say people will ask me, well, what are you advocating for? I'm not advocating for an open border. I'm not advocating for a wall. mm -hmm. Uh, I think there are people on both sides politically that have a lot of compassion in their politics. So that's, this is not, this is trying to stay completely out of the politics. And I think we can all agree that like there needs to be major immigration reform yes. that needs to happen, but that doesn't mean that we can't love our neighbor. And in a lot of cases, these people are our neighbors in our communities. And so the pastor featured, Pastor John Garland says so clearly, like we have a choice when it comes to the asylum seekers who are already in our communities, we can ignore and reject them, which will just lead them down further, you know, multi-generational hurt and poor decisions, or we can come alongside them, and just be able to allow them to lead thriving lives. And hopefully if they do gain their asylum cases, you know, set them and many generations to come on the right path.
0: Mm. One other question that may be in people's minds is how do you vet somebody and make sure that, that, hey, they're not somebody that really is a criminal or is taking advantage of the people there that are trying to help, uh, or they're not a terrorist sneaking through the lines.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can only speak from personal experience from the people that I've met, but it's pretty clear when you meet somebody, when you see a mother and her child and you see that mother left her home country, and sacrificed everything just to save her children. It's just very clear that they are <laughs> people that you should support and go alongside on their journeys. Um, and then I'll just say that court systems, I mean, there's a huge backlog of cases, obviously, but the courts seem to be doing their job and figuring out, okay, the people that are requesting asylum, are they really deserving of asylum? Unfortunately, a lot of people who may be deserving are also sent back Um, Mm -hmm. We interviewed a gang expert who is an incredible expert who testifies in a lot of cases and he's seen people be deported back and and later murdered. So it can be hard to figure out, but I think when it comes to you have a human to human contact with somebody, I think we all are pretty good judges of who's deserving of our, of our help.
0: That's great. And. And so tell us as Christians that could either help by physically being somewhere or can't help in a physical way, what can we be doing to help out in this situation?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and you know, that's usually the first question I get after people watch the film is what can I do? And yeah. so we've tried to create some clear pathways for people to help. And so I would say, sorry, I have a lot of thoughts running through my head we've tried to create some pathways for people to help, whether it's helping people directly that they've seen in the film or helping larger population. One of those is we've partnered with an organization called American Gateways Mm -hmm. and they are in Texas and they're a group of lawyers a non-for-profit that takes the cases of asylum seekers who they believe have good cases and they are entirely donation driven. And so we would love for people to contribute if they wanna donate financially to some legal cases of asylum seekers the more donations they get the more they're able to bring on lawyers to help these families we also have a couple of ways on our website where people if there's a family we're in the process of setting up college funds for some of the kids that are in the film and so if they'd like to contribute towards a college fund to contribute to the families specifically that they see and then pastor john garland and his hospitality house they now have two different houses that are taking in families um, and helping them through their asylum cases and just with all of their needs getting the kids in school and teaching them english and all of that and there you could make donations directly to his organization and that's all outlined clearly on the across documentary website and then you know a lot of people will say to me well i don't know who to help because there's homeless people you know when you say help your neighbor there's homeless people there are veterans there are foster kids there's now asylum seekers you're telling me i have to help this is just so overwhelming yeah. and i would just say don't be paralyzed and do nothing like start wherever you see a need immediately around you i think unfortunately people just get paralyzed and don't help anybody and and i don't want to add to that pressure of like these people need us too but um as pastor john says so well in the documentary i mean when we look at jesus feeding the five thousand, it's just let's take what we have And offer it to the kingdom and and let them let him multiply it for us. So I would just say, start, start somewhere, whether it's a donation through 1 of our partner organizations, or just keeping your eyes open, listening to the stories of the people around you looking for people immediately around you who need help.
0: Tell us where we can find all the information we need to know and tell us about the streaming part of the documentary coming out on uh, the 20th.
1: So everything will be on our website. We'll be streaming directly on our website, and that's acrossdocumentary.com. And really, that's it. Well, If people are interested in following us, that would be great on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, and spreading the word, sharing the trailer, sending it to their friends. We'd really appreciate that.
0: Okay, good. What's your next step after this? Do you have something to follow up with this on? As far as the film or or continuing to let people know about how they can help or what's going on and what the options are?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we um, this has been a three and a half, almost four year project and with immigration coming up. In the news, again, it was time to put this out there in the world and World Refugee Day seemed like the perfect time to do that. But we're cont- we're starting to work with um, different Christian organizations and also secular organizations who are going to come alongside us and partner and, and spread the word. So really, this is just the beginning. Of getting these stories out there and allowing people to be part of this. We're also, you know, eventually we'll probably land on some more traditional distribution platforms, but also my hope is we're creating study materials. So if mm. small groups or churches or seminaries or even nonprofit organizations want to do a four week screening and then have, you know, a Q&A after, um, we're creating the materials for people to do that. So my hope is that all the churches in the country and seminaries, and especially as we head into an election year, I think this is a really good tool for people to have like healthy dialogue about the issues. And so it's just the beginning in my mind.
0: Wow, that is great. Glad to hear that. I think that's just a great way to promote it across the country. One last question that I wanted to ask, and there may be no answer to this, but is there anything that can be done on the other side of the border by churches in America? By
1: mm, churches, interesting. I thought you were gonna ask me for more of a political stance, which I was not not able to answer for sure. Um, I mean, I think a lot of churches are doing a lot of mission work. I hear in Guatemala and Honduras, and I would say that's definitely important and continuing to do that. Beyond that, I do think it's kind of up to our governments to figure out some solutions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I can't really think of anything else but I would just say all those everybody I know who goes and does a mission trip in Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, wherever they go, they come back as advocates for these people and for these groups and and wanting to help them and just hearing their stories and sharing their stories and I think that's just really important for people to continue to just witness mm-hmm. people's stories the way they are.
0: You know, I knew that was a tough tough question. I just I didn't know if there was anything that you were aware of that was happening on the other side. I I mean, I know, like we do living water. So we, our team, 1 of our teams just got back from Central America and and putting a well there to help with water. And, but, you know, I just didn't know if there was anything on the, uh,
1: that's awesome
0: side. Yeah. Yeah, I don't.
1: I don't, I'm not sure when we went to Honduras, we focused really on hearing, you know, why people are leaving and and it seemed like the gangs are the biggest problem. So I just don't know what we as Christians can do in that yeah. respect. Um, Correct. That That's the thing. I mean, yes, they're living in living in extreme poverty. If they were to have water, if they were, were to have more, I know jobs, you know, they just need. They just need to make a live be able to make a living down there anything we can do to help with that sort of stuff. I think is really, really valuable. When I talk about sort of the countries getting involved. I just think when it comes to the gangs and the extortion and the violence. That's 1 that uh, prayer, I guess I would say prayer would be a big 1.
0: Okay. Julie. Thanks so much for sharing all this. And, uh, you know, we look forward to. To watch in the documentary uh, on the twentieth, and and will it be on past the twentieth?
1: It will absolutely, and it it takes people a little while to consume it. There is a lot of hope in these stories, and that's really what I wanted to do too, because I feel like a lot of this stuff on immigration is very feels very hopeless and heavy. There's definitely some heaviness, but there's also a lot of hope. But it's um, it it is heavy stuff, and so usually it takes people a few weeks. You know, they can handle one episode every few days or so and kind of digest it before moving on to the next one. So people will have plenty of time to watch.
0: And how long is each of the documentaries?
1: They're between 45 and 55 minutes okay. per series. Okay, good. Per episode, yeah. Wow.
0: Well, God bless you. Thank you for doing this. Uh, great to have you in the kingdom. And. Uh, and taking you. your talents and abilities to do this—that's that's, that's fabulous—and and we'll just pray for you. And I ask everybody to pray for for this and the and the streaming event. The more people become aware of what's really going on.
1: Thank you, Bruce. That's awesome. I really appreciate this.
0: All right. Well, you know, maybe we could talk in the future and uh, catch up and see how things turned out after after the streaming event.
1: Absolutely. Like I said, this is just the beginning, and we definitely need need everybody's help. I think this is sort of part of the grassroots. Uh, Effort that we're doing right now, and I think it's just going to grow and grow. So I'm grateful for everybody being a part of that.
0: All right, well, thank you for all your work and and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good. Thank you, Bruce.